0: This is the podcast by the Straits Times.
1: This is Asian Insider, and I'm Nirmal Ghosh. Now, July 2020 may well be remembered as the month the US-China relationship took a very sharp turn for the worse. We have had a string of tit-for-tat actions since the Trump administration very early identified China as a strategic competitor. Of course, these included tariffs, which one could argue successfully brought China to the table to sign the phase one trade deal, which still holds. But Congress has been targeting China with a series of bills and the Trump administration has also taken a string of actions, including in July closing China's consulate in Houston, calling it basically a den of spies. Of course, China quite expectedly retaliated by closing the US consulate in Chengdu. Then we had Secretary of State Mike Pompeo delivering a pretty strong speech against China. So the momentum has lately been building the only question, of course, there are many, but the big question is, is this as bad as it gets or is it going to get worse? With the COVID-19 pandemic piled on top of this, China is front and center of this year's presidential campaign here as well, certainly as far as Donald Trump is concerned. To help us focus on what may lie ahead, we have on the line today Bonnie Glazer. Senior Advisor for Asia and Director of the China Power Project at the Center for Strategic and International Studies, the CSIS, here in D.C. And joining us also from D.C. is Yunsun, Senior Fellow and Co-Director of the East Asia Program and Director of the China Program at the Stimson Center. Thank you both for joining uh, me uh, this evening. I really appreciate it. It's a busy time for all of us, although we are also stuck at home.
2: <laughs> Thanks for having me.
1: It may be a Thank good idea for me to start. It may be a good idea for me to start with citing what Singapore's Prime Minister Lee Hsien Loong said in a speech at the Atlantic Council this week. He said, of course, from Singapore's perspective, that he hoped China and the U.S. would find stability in their relationship. Now, Bonnie, given that the issue of China has assumed so much prominence, what is your prognosis? Do you see the relationship settling into some? St- sort of stability going forward?
2: No, I actually don't anticipate that we will see stability. We still have several months before the presidential elections in early November. And I think that the Trump administration is likely to take more actions uh, against China. First of all, the president himself uh, is no longer concerned, it seems, uh, about harming his relationship with Xi Jinping or undermining new trade negotiations. So he's really taken the gloves off. In addition, uh, there is an election factor at play because American attitudes have turned sharply negatively uh, against China. And therefore, uh, I think that the Trump campaign strategists think that it's a good way to win votes uh, by really bashing uh, China and taking actions uh, against uh, Beijing. And then I think there's another factor that's even more worrisome. Uh, Secretary of State Pompeo and other U.S. officials in the administration really want to ensure that the focus of geopolitical systemic competition between the U.S. and China survives this administration. And so if Trump loses and Vice President Biden wins, they want to ensure that interdependence is unraveled. Uh, that uh, there is uh, a permanent uh, downturn in the U.S.-China relationship that can't be easily reversed in, uh, in a new presidency. So I think we really are likely to see some uh, continued uh, negative developments in the U.S.-China relationship going forward.
1: Mm, Yun what are your thoughts on that question?
0: Um, well, when I look at it from the Chinese perspective and what the Chinese calculation has been, they are genuinely seeing this as a not a temporary event. That even with the change of administration, they believe this is bipartisan consensus will survive, and the next administration, regardless of whether it's a Trump two or a Biden administration, it will have to continue some of the current policy or some of the trends. And this has raised a lot of well, anxieties, I would say, on the Chinese side. But unfortunately, I have to say that on this issue, on this escalation of tension between U.S. and China, China is no more, uh, it's not that innocent. There's no inflection, there's no reflection about what the Chinese assertive foreign policy has created basically in the past, past decade. So he says, when the Chinese finger point the U.S. policy or the downturn of the bilateral relations totally on election politics or on the Trump administration. I think that is also not addressing the real question here, which is that the Chinese actions and the Chinese behaviors also need a lot of reflection
1: now as you both have mentioned we are less than 100 days from the november 3rd election and this is going to be a more momentous election than most because there is so much at stake not just for america of course but for the world really uh bonnie you touched on this briefly but what can we expect from a second trump administration should he win re-election and conversely, what can we expect from a Joe Biden administration should he win? I mean, of course, the Biden campaign has already said it will re-engage in multilateral institutions and agreements. For example, it'll return to the Paris Agreement Agreement on climate change. And it has said it will reinforce relations with US allies rather than go at it unilaterally. But what should we expect vis-a-vis China and, more broadly, Asia? I know that's a big question, but if you could address that, Bonnie.
2: Well, it is a big question. Um, it, it, in in the next few months, as I said, I think that this will be the most dangerous period in the U.S.-China relationship. So in other words, if Donald Trump is reelected, I think that he will try to lower uh, friction uh, between the U.S. and China. He will want to resume the trade negotiations. Uh, he will probably... Uh, try to reestablish and improve once again his personal relationship with Xi Jinping. So uh, I I I don't think that what we're seeing today would necessarily go on in uh, in a second uh, Trump administration. If Vice President Biden wins, uh, I think that we will see some continuation of uh, policies. First of all, Biden would inherit things like the tariffs. He would inherit some of these sanctions against uh, Chinese uh, officials. Um, So he would not easily undo uh, these policies. And in fact, he might try to use the tariffs as leverage in negotiations with China in order to get them lifted. uh, What is Beijing willing to do? But I think that Biden would pursue uh, smart competition. I think there would be more consistency in policy. Uh, toward China than we have seen under the Trump administration. I don't think that there would be an ideological emphasis. Uh, the uh, What we've heard from, uh, for example, Secretary of State, Pompeo calling for the uh, power the people of China uh, that we should empower them and uh, get them perhaps to stand up to their uh, their party and maybe even overthrow the Chinese Communist Party. I just don't think that would be part of a Biden administration policy. I think that the Biden administration would be focused on really trying to change what is objectionable in Chinese behavior. I also think we'd see more dialogue mechanisms, so more negotiations aimed at addressing problems as well as managing uh, problems, not driving the relationship to greater confrontation and potential conflict. And then finally, of course, working more closely with allies and partners, so a less unilateralist uh, policy. But there certainly is belief in the Biden administration that if we are going to successfully change China's behavior, we can't do it alone. We have to work with other countries around the world.
1: Right, Yun. The same questions to you essentially. What are your thoughts on what we should expect from either of these two uh, dispensations after November third? And uh, uh, a, a quick reference also to what uh, I think one of you mentioned earlier about public opinion in the states. It has turned pretty much anti-Chinese. You know, I mean, all the all the surveys show that. And in fact, nationalist Chinese opinion has hardened in China as well. So, do you? I also anticipate some kind of, you know, deal making, cooling off going forward. You
0: uh, I think that's a that's a great question. I think one theme that will remain unchanged, regardless of who wins in the election, is that there is no consensus here in the United States among national security strategists that China is so. I don't think that is going to change, even with uh, with a Biden presidency. But what will change is, I would agree with Bonnie, it would be the format, the style, and how a Biden administration will seek to address that problem, but instead of confrontation and the escalation of tension as we are seeing today, I think the Biden administration will use a much multi-layered and diverse group of instruments to try to shape China's behavior. What does worry me, however, is that, like you pointed out, the public opinions in China is turning extremely hawkish towards the United States. Partially, that is a creation by Beijing. That The Chinese government has manipulated the information to create that hawkish public opinion to show the outside world that we have the support of our people. But on the other hand, that's also going to create obstacles when, say, hypothetically, when there's a Biden administration next year, then there is a possibility that the hawks and the hotliners in China could see that as an exploitable opportunity. So I think that will be a true disaster, and I hope it doesn't happen.
1: Yun, staying with you for a moment, is it fair to say that part of Donald Trump's legacy, should he lose, is that allies may not so readily take the United States for granted. And you know, the Trump administration this year has been talking about you know more burden sharing in South Korea and it's withdrawn is withdrawing troops from Germany, for example. So there's this sort of perception going beyond the China issue, there's a perception in Southeast Asian Asia in general that the US may not be such a reliable partner after all. Uh, we, sh- we should not take the U.S. for granted. What are your thoughts on that, Yun?
0: Um, on that, I agree with what Bonnie said, that if the United States wants to counter China, wants to deal with the China's threat, then they cannot go about that long. It needs the support of his, from its allies and its partners to counterbalance China and to shape China's behavior. This needs to be a collective effort if the United States decides to pursue a unilateral approach towards, um, towards China, that's, I think that's going to be quite unwise.
1: Okay, Bonnie, um, last word from you on that. Uh, do you feel optimistic or pessimistic about going forward? I mean, I know you said that you know it's a very risky period now, next three, four months, but um, what is your feeling?
2: Well, I am worried about uh, a potential series of U.S. actions. Uh, We could see the Trump administration try to reduce the number of Chinese diplomats in the United States, close more consulates, uh, perhaps uh, even try to shut down all the Confucius Institutes and United Front operations, that are in the United States, uh, maybe impose sanctions on China, uh, for example, for aiding North Korea uh, to circumvent sanctions, as there is growing evidence that uh, China is providing uh, assistance to North Korea to get hard currency. It's really a very long list of things that the U.S. could do. Uh, the recent change in The policy on the South China Sea to bring it more in line with the July 2016 ruling also opens the door for the United States to take actions against China, both uh, tougher rhetorical actions as well as potential sanctions or um, actions on the water with uh, law enforcement or, or even Navy ships that could potentially cause uh, an accident. So I worry about increased military activity, especially as there's limited uh, real dialogue between the United States and China in this period. Both sides are really using their militaries to signal each other and to demonstrate resolve. And so we hit, we see a lot of military activity going on, both in the South China Sea and in the Taiwan Strait. So these areas really are quite um, dangerous. And uh, there is a need, I think, for both countries to get back to the actual dialogue table um, and to find ways to manage and control their differences. uh, Before we end up in the kind of crisis that we had in 2001, when we actually, of course, had a Chinese fighter jet collide with a US reconnaissance plane. The Chinese pilot lost his life and the United States plane landed in Hainan, and we ended up with a major political crisis.
1: What are your thoughts on the risks going forward um, on the ground, or in this case, actually in in the water? I mean, is there a risk of uh, an accident, as Bonnie said, and you know something turning kinetic, which the two countries will be really challenged to control?
0: This is a great question, this is a question that the Chinese have been debating about. And whether it, whether it's going to be a real accident or it's going to be a deliberate accident, even what they see as systematic escalation. So I think it is possible to have little skirmishes, but with a type of skirmishes to escalate that will not be accidental. That will have to be deliberate.
1: Okay. Yunsun, Bonnie, Glaser, thank you so much again for being with us today on Asian Insider.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: Thank you. So the US-China relationship is clearly at a very critical juncture and will be carefully watched over the next three to four months in particular, because we are contending with the presidential election campaign in the US. For Asian Insider, I'm Nirbal Ghosh.